So good to be back um, and good to be launching into a new series. We are, uh, we close out our series on prayer and I know, you know, some people may have been thinking, you know, I'm, you know, I'm pretty rooted in my prayer life, but, you know, even a, a new car needs a tune-up every now and then, right? So um, hopefully that, that, that series uh, enriched us. Um, but now we're, we're turning the corner and, and we're uh, moving into a new series, The Road to the Resurrection. The Road to the Resurrection. And uh, we'll talk about it more as the weeks go on, but uh, prayerfully we're all on that road, the road to the resurrection that began back here. Let's look in the book of John in the 12th chapter, John chapter 12. And I'll read. I'll read verses 1 through 11. John chapter 12, and I'll read verses 1 through 11. John chapter 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, uh, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on the account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Believing in Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Uh, again, for this day, uh, for this place, this time, uh, your people, and this word, Lord, we pray uh, that this word will be open uh, to us with understanding and power. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you will be glorified in it. We ask for fresh anointing to preach and anointing to receive your word today. We ask, Lord, that you will... Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you're my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This uh, John 12, uh, 1 through 8, is, is the same incident is also reported 
in Matthew chapter 26 and Mark chapter 14. We won't go there now, but I just want you to know it's, it's reported there as well. Recently, I, I, I visited a place called the Holy Land Experience in Florida. Anybody ever been there? The Holy Land Experience in Florida. Yes. <laughs> it, uh, uh, my daughter and I uh, went. It wasn't the first time I've been there. But the, the Holy Land Experience in Florida, what they've done there uh, um, is almost the antithesis of a, Disney, of a Disney theme park. Uh, uh, they've, they've designed and recreated spaces to resemble what we believe places may have looked like in biblical times over in the Holy Lands. Um, they, they, they also have individuals singing and acting out scenes from Scripture. It was good to see the, the, the scripture come alive like that, though, uh, especially when they, they chose scriptures that, that took place in people's homes. Uh, we saw uh, there the, the house of Lazarus, uh, and, and we saw the house of Simon the Pharisee from Luke uh, chapter 7. We, we watched as the disciples interacted with each other, how they may have interacted with each other. It was, it was well done. You could, you could almost imagine yourself being there with the disciples in that time. Uh, you could get a, a, a good sense of how the disciples were real people uh, uh, while, while you were there. But, uh, and I, I wish I had some of that back here with me, but since we don't have any of that, we'll have to use our spiritual imaginations um, as, as we look into this feast here in this home in Bethany and listen to what happens around this table. Imagine yourself there. If you're honest, uh, you'll see yourself uh, in one of the seats doing and saying some of the same things the disciples did. As we look at the text, though, we got to be careful not to miss Jesus and how uh, in this text and in this time that he's being prepared for sacrifice. That's the title of the message, Prepared for Sacrifice. Uh, Merriam-Webster, in the Collegiate Dictionary, defines sacrifice as the act of offering something precious to a deity. Uh, Also, to suffer loss of, to give up, to renounce, to injure, or destroy, especially for an ideal or a belief or to an end. This book of John gives us a clear, gives us the clear reason why it was written in chapter 20 and verse 31. It was written so that after hearing the signs here, the miracles that Jesus performed, the reader would believe that he was the Messiah, the son of God and have life in his name. The book of John. Chapter 11 gives the report of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, his last sign. Uh, uh, This sign caused many people to believe in him, Uh, but there were still some who refused to believe and felt that, uh, that, that they'd be better off if Jesus was dead. Religious leaders went so far as to put out an APB for Jesus to be found and arrested. 
But instead of staying out of sight, Jesus shows up in a village about two miles from Jerusalem. And the text today serves as a a time of transition with Jesus beginning to remove himself from public ministry and setting his focus on the coming cross. Jesus gets prepared for sacrifice in this text. We don't want to read through or go through and miss the fact that disciples are called to live out a sacrificial devotion to Jesus. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. The setting of this scene in Bethany connects it to the events of chapter 11. And if you've never read chapter 11, I advise you take some quiet time, right, not right now, but later, <laughs> and just definitely take some time to read it, or if you've read it, to reread it, chapter 11. There you find Jesus responding to the death of his sick friend Lazarus. Jesus identifies himself in this text as the resurrection and the life and demonstrates it to Lazarus' sisters, Martha and Mary, as well as the Jews who were there with them, by calling a dead Lazarus to life out of the grave. This first, uh, this, this first verse reminds us here that uh, not only did Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, but that the, these things that happened next happened in the same town uh, where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Bethany. The situation in the text takes place close to the time of the Passover. For the Jews, the the Passover was a time of celebration and remembering uh, that great act of God's mercy and salvation when he delivered uh, Israel from slavery. In, In Exodus, in the 23rd chapter, 14th verse to the 17th verse, Uh, It records God instructing all the males to come appear before him each year at the time of this feast, at the time of Passover. Thousands would come from all over showing up days early to get cleansed and prepared to keep this feast in Jerusalem. It was so important. So Jesus came. We find out from the book of Mark in the 14th chapter that the, uh, the dinner here Jesus attends was in the home of a man named Simon uh, who had most likely been healed from the disease of leprosy by Jesus and now there's a meal in his home. Jesus touched the lives of all of the people in and around this table we're looking at but each one each one's response to him is a little different. There's there's Martha who's known for her diligence in serving. And and here at the table, John describes her as busy and content with her serving. There's her brother Lazarus, who's there. Not long ago, he was the guest of honor at a funeral. But now at the table, he's being known for being raised from the dead by Jesus. He has a new handle. Lazarus, the one whom Jesus raised from the dead. You know, I was thinking most people get a choice of whether or not they're going to be a witness or bear testimony for who Jesus is and what he's done. But Lazarus had no more choice. 
He didn't have a choice of whether or not he would be a witness. We don't hear him speak uh, in this text, but just his being at the table is a testimony and a witness of who Jesus is. He was the one that was sent by God with the power of resurrection and life. According to Ephesians chapter 2, we could probably take a seat next to Lazarus because it says that we were all dead in our trespasses and our sins and we were made alive with Christ, with Christ. But there's, there's another guest in the room who, who's silent but can't and won't be ignored. The text says, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. In comes Mary. Although Lazarus may, may have been getting a lot of attention here at this dinner and at this table, because uh, it, it, it must have been amazing to see him alive, the true honored guest at the table is Jesus. And in case anyone has forgotten it, Mary shows up. It's like her job. <laughs> she places all the focus back on Jesus. But isn't that what uh, any good disciple should be doing? Uh, what, what the disciples' life should be about? Drawing people's attention out of the world and toward Jesus? Mary's a good example. I, I like Mary. Just like her sister Martha is known for serving, Mary is known in the scripture for being at the feet of Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, in the 39th verse, we find uh, Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him teach. In the last chapter, chapter 11, you, you will find her falling at his feet, weeping over her then dead brother Lazarus. And here, expressing her devotion to Jesus, she comes anointing and wiping his feet with her hair. That was Mary's way. This, this anointing, there, there, there was two words for anointing uh, in this time. Uh, the anointing, they, in that language, the language of that day, one, one word for anointing was used for sacred religious purposes. And the other word that's used, the one that's used here, was an act of hospitality. Good hosts would pour oil on the head of a guest in the home as they entered the home. It was, it was refreshing to them, and it honored them in this, uh, this dry climate where they lived. But, but there was something special about the way that Mary did it. Um, the ointment she used, uh, it, it was about 11 and a half ounces of a perfume made from the root of a plant in India. There wasn't, uh, it wasn't the, the off-the-drugstore-counter kind of perfume. Uh, you know, it, it, it was imported. It was pure. It was the expensive good stuff, not the stuff I wore in middle school. Uh, uh, it, it wasn't a watered-down, old-day toilet, old-day perfume. If you see E-A-U on... The bottle, that means they diluted it. That's not what Mary used. She used the good stuff for Jesus. 
the book uh, uh, of Matthew and Mark let us know that she, she did anoint Jesus' head when she, came, when, when she came in with the ointment. But here we find out that she also anointed his feet. This, this was a sign of humility and devotion to Jesus. The feet of guests were usually washed with water by a servant, but Mary had no hesitation tending to the feet of Jesus. The hair of the respectable woman was usually bound and covered in this time. But Mary, not concerned about the way it looked or what others thought or would say, she used her hair to wipe the feet of Jesus. Ladies, <laughs> devotion. John, John lets us know that uh, there, there was no way to avoid or ignore this act of devotion by Mary. The smell of it filled the entire house. Have you ever been a place in a place where somebody wore too much perfume or cologne? I mean, they wore so much that you could almost taste it. If that ever happened to you? Uh, so much that even after they've left the place, the, the, the fragrance just lingers there behind them. That's, that's, that's how Mary's devotion filled the house. Anywhere that anyone moved in this house, they smelled the scent of Mary's devotion throughout this house. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 14 and 15 tells us that our lives should be spreading the sweet aroma of Christ to the people that we encounter. We should be smelling up the place like Mary. In this, in this act of devotion, we see Mary being ready for sacrifice. She held nothing back. She spared no cost. She held on to no pride. She poured out her complete devotion to Jesus at that table in front of everyone. What was it that drove Mary to this kind of devotion? Is it, that, is it, is it what she learned while sitting at the feet of Jesus was it his, his love and power shown in raising her brother from the dead? Or, or did Mary simply believe because of who he is, this is what he deserves? Jesus will point out another option later in the text. But until then, how do you display your devotion to Jesus? Do you show it by serving like Martha should people just recognize it while you sit there like Lazarus? Or, or, or do you go all out like Mary did with your devotion? Or do, do you tend to just remain dignified at all times, doing only what's proper according to the culture? Whatever the case, Jesus leaves uh, 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 no room for hanging back when it comes to him. He's looking for a sacrificial devotion. But there's, there's always somebody who, who won't get it or, or won't give it. Verse 4 says, but Judas. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii? and given to the poor. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief 
And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. If, if Lazarus was tagged as the one Jesus raised from the dead, Martha, the one who served, Mary, the one who poured out total devotion at the feet of Jesus, what can be said about Judas? The text, the text uses his whole name. First off, it, it says Judas Iscariot, so that he won't be confused with the other disciple named Judas. John didn't want there to be any mix-up. He, he's identified first, though, as one of Jesus' disciples. That means he was a, a learner and a follower of Jesus. He walked, lived, ate, and served with him. To quote the English preacher Thomas Goodwin, Judas heard all Christ's sermons. I'm going to pause for effect right there. Judas heard all of Christ's sermons front row firsthand. Judas, Judas must have looked and sounded like he had it all together, too, because uh, they, they made him the treasurer of the group. I don't know if it was a unanimous vote, but they, they chose Judas to be the treasurer. One thing that, that was not so obvious to the others except for Jesus was that Judas had a heart condition. The, the scripture uses a couple other words here to describe him. It says that he was a thief. It makes it plain. He, he was lifting his own special offering out of the money bag for the Judas Iscariot fund. I, I wonder, I wonder what, what he could have needed that he didn't have with Jesus already. I mean, he was with the live, he was, he was living with the multiplier of fish and bread. The, the very bread of life, but his heart condition made him unsatisfied with just daily bread. Judas wanted something more. It was his heart condition. It, it was his heart condition that, that led him to criticize Mary. He, he, he was gifted. He, he, you see how quickly Judas calculated the cost of her sacrifice? He was able to count it up quick. He, he looked and at, he said at 300 denarii, it would have been a year's salary for the average worker in that day. Judas looked at the size of it and just knew how much it was worth. He estimated what it was worth to the world and to him, but couldn't see to Mary, Jesus was more valuable. Judas covered his, his criticism, though, with religious talk, saying that it should have been sold and used for the poor. What, what righteous person could, could argue against doing something for the poor? That was a good move on Judas's part. Judas, uh, he must have also had some influence because in, in the other Gospels, in Matthew and, and Mark, we find out that the other disciples joined in criticizing Mary's choice to, to anoint the feet of Jesus uh, with this ointment. And there's an important uh, lesson here about not just hearing what someone says, but understanding their motives. Judas didn't care about lifting the poor. He only cared about the percentage he would have been able to lift from the money bag if they sold that perfume. What Judas 
says reflects the real issue of his heart. He never understood the true value of Jesus. What, what, a, what a tragedy to spend that much time with Jesus and never come to an understanding of his true value. I believe that's what led to the other description that Judas is most famous for, the one who was about to betray Jesus, the betrayer. This, despite the harassment, Mary, Mary stays silent, still at the table. But somebody at the table speaks up for her. Verse 7, I like this. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. We never had to worry about uh, being fully devoted or sticking our necks out for Jesus. He, he knows how to take care of us. He said, leave her alone. We can't be sure if Mary knew the full importance of what she was doing or, or, or what it, it pointed toward. But her devotion and her readiness to sacrifice uh, put her in a position to be defended and commended by Jesus. Jesus steps in to defend Mary and quiets the criticism against her. He makes known the real value and meaning of what she's done for him. He explains that her anointing, uh, his feet, served as preparation for his death. In that time, the, the Jews didn't embalm the corpses uh, but instead washed and anointed them with fragrances and they would, they would wrap the body with cloth and spices to cover up the smell of the decay. Concerned with Mary and money, the disciples were missing the main point that Jesus was going to be killed as a sacrifice for them and the world. But Jesus corrects them and, and he removes that excuse that, Jews, that Judas tried to use uh, Likely referencing uh, Deuteronomy chapter 15 in the 11th verse, Jesus reminds them that there will always be poor in the land. And, and because that scripture in Deuteronomy also instructed Israel to open wide their hands to the poor and to the needy, uh, what Jesus said next could never mean that the poor should be ignored either. It wasn't an either or. Jesus points to the approaching time of his sacrificial death. The opportunity to serve the poor will remain present, but the chance to physically demonstrate this kind of devotion to him was soon becoming to an end. Mary, Mary had been saving that ointment, and this was the right occasion for her to break it and to pour it out all at the feet of Jesus. There, there will come a time when disciples, sure enough, will, will, will minister to Christ by serving and opening our hands to the poor, but it should never replace Jesus as the object of our devotion. Mary had the right focus. This anointing helped announce and prepare Jesus for the sacrifice he was soon going to make. As reported in the other Gospels, we see that Mary did what, that, that what Mary did was so appropriate and proper that it was going to be told wherever this Gospel of Jesus was preached. 
And right here today, what she did is being remembered. Today, almost 2,000 years later, in a country that didn't even exist when this took place, Mary's name and her act of devotion is being remembered. Jesus spoke it, and it's so. Never underestimate how God will use or honor a soul devoted to Jesus. While Jesus takes the time to set things in order inside the house at that table, outside, things are being stirred up. You can see the inside settling, settling down and getting quiet after Jesus spoke. Verse 9 says, When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. So there in Bethany, crowds were gathering and tensions were building. Uh, some folks were wanting not only to see Jesus, but Lazarus too. They, they wanted to lay eyes on the miracle worker and the miracle walking and talking. Lazarus, somebody who had been dead for four days and who's now alive because Jesus loved and he said so. Because of Jesus' public act of raising Lazarus, a line uh, was drawn in the sand. It, it could not be denied. So it forced people to choose. Either you were going to believe in Jesus, turn to him, and from the old way of religious life, or you were going to reject him. When they saw Lazarus, many chose and turned to Jesus and away from the religious leaders of that time. And when they saw that, the religious leaders, the ruling priests who had been in charge of the religious life of the Jewish people, uh, they decided that they not only wanted Jesus gone, but they also wanted to kill Lazarus. They, they, they were going to put one hit out, but now they wanted two. You know, sin is never satisfied. It always wants more. Many of, the, many of them, and I, this might have uh, gotten their goat, Many of them taught that there was no resurrection from the dead at all. So Jesus' teaching and Lazarus' living posed a problem for them. How could they be credible in their teaching about no resurrection when there's a resurrected man walking around, laying and eating at a table? They wanted to get rid of any witnesses that would lead people to Jesus. The tension was building on the road to the resurrection. Uh, this tension between choosing Jesus versus anything or anyone else, it still continues. It's, go it's ongoing today. Anyone whose life draws people's attention and devotion toward Jesus needs to be prepared for sacrifice. Disciples are called to live out a sacrificial devotion to Jesus are you willing to risk being a living testimony like Lazarus or displaying the sacrificial devotion of Mary? Are you prepared for the sacrifice? The road to the resurrection is covered in sacrifice, and Jesus is calling us to it. Prepare for sacrifice. Amen. Amen.
Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Your word prepares us for sacrifice, the sacrifice you call us to. Living sacrifices, Lord, to do your will. We pray, Lord, that we would not hear your word as Judas did, but we would hear it as Mary did, or that we would hear your voice as Lazarus did, bringing life. Have your way in us. Prepare us for your will and for your work. Be glorified, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.